there's always been a bright side to living in downstate Illinois. Amron, Illinois is making it even brighter with a little help from the sun. Right now, we're building a next generation solar facility to bring you cleaner energy for generations to come. It's good for the environment, your neighborhood, and everyone living in downstate Illinois. That's brighter thinking. That's energy at work. Learn how you can participate in solar programs at AmarinIllinois.com slash renewables. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Huddle Up with Howard. Along with Howard Richards, I'm Mike Claiborne. And Howard, we have a very special guest today, uh, a person I've admired so much for so many reasons. And now he's on the other side of the fence. Yeah, welcoming Dave Matter, who formerly of the, of the Post-Dispatch, now has joined Mizzou Athletics as in, and I, I know I'm going to mess up the title, but Chief Storytelling Officer, uh, voice of Desiree Reed Francois in a nutshell. That's that's close. <laughs> we, we go with Assistant AD for Communications and Storytelling. It is a mouthful, uh, and there's a lot of different layers to it. There's a lot of different responsibilities. Um, it's it's evolving as we go. I think this is week five for me. And uh, it's it's really cool. It's a great opportunity. There's so many different things that I get to be involved with, um, mainly the messaging for the department overall, working very closely with Desiree as part of her senior staff. And I've, I've really enjoyed it. I learned something new, not just every day, but like every hour of every day. So it's it's been a great experience so far. And, well, and plus, you're, plus Dave, Dave, you're around when somebody runs a story about what happened at Mizzou. 10 years, 15 years ago. Oh yeah. The fifth down. I can explain that to you later. Let me handle it from here. So you, you're that guy that creates validity to all the things that she doesn't know about yet. There, there was, um, I think a need for some institutional knowledge because a yeah. lot of the people in this building right now are, are, have only been here for a couple of years and they're very good and smart, very good at their jobs, very smart, but they just haven't been here very long. That's not their fault. So um, I hopefully can, can fill in some of those gaps and help uh, anytime anybody needs any kind of perspective on on Mizzou athletics, you know, prior to just the last couple of years. And well, certainly, it was a home run hire, um, uh, no doubt, from, from my opinion. But how did it evolve? Or did they approach you? Who approached you? How did it happen? Um, you know, I wasn't necessarily like desperately trying to leave the, the post dispatch. I, I was happy there. I, I think I was thinking a little bit more long term, uh, just about my my career and, and what I wanted to do if I wanted to do something different. And I kind of felt like, you know, I turned 45 this summer and I thought, Hello. If, I, if I want to pivot, I'm not dating you guys by any means. Oh, you're too late, Dave. You already done that. Mike, you remember 45? <laughs> Barely. <laughs> but if, Barely. if I wanted to pivot, I think it would it'd be easier at 45 than 50, you know? So that was kind of my thinking. And some some conversations just kind of started organically um, I had a, a desire to maybe seek something else, but but still sort of adjacent to what I was doing. You know, I, I wanted to be involved in college athletics in some way and still involved with writing and in some ways the media. And and it turns out Mizzou you know, had a bit of a need for some things that I, I could possibly bring to the table. So it really just kind of snowballed from there. Well, you know what, as I said to you before we started the, the visit, uh, I've admired your work. I think covering a college campus 
program, a division one program of this magnitude is got to be one of the hardest things there is. And the way you did it, not just for football or basketball, you made sure that you gave those other sports an opportunity to get the deserved exposure and how you did it in such an objective manner is something we just don't see a great deal of. And, uh, we will certainly miss you, sir. But uh, I thank you for all the great stories you contributed about the University of Missouri over the years. Well, I, I appreciate that. That means a whole lot. You know, I always just try to give my best and treat people, you know, fairly and decently, but also tell the truth and, and everything I did. And the job changed a lot over over the years. There's no doubt about that. Uh, and I'm, I'm excited to be on the other side. You know, it's funny, the the folks at, at Mizzou say I've joined the light side and left the dark side and my <laughs> friends in the media say, Oh, you joined the dark side. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm just on the good side. That's all I know. That's all I got. I got one more, one more pet on the back for you. So I, you know, my time in Dallas, uh, was covered by a number of beat writers from, uh, Gary Myers to skip Bayless. Well, he was a columnist, uh, Tim Kalashaw, who people will, will recognize from ESPN and, David Moore, and I will say, um, with all the things that you juggled, you have managed to uh, do one hell of a job. You you are as good, if not better, than any of those guys. So again, kudos yeah. for a job that well means done. Means a lot. I'll, means a I'll I'll drink to that. <laughs> not not <laughs> that I need a reason, but I, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, I, I just I have to credit the people that I looked up to when I was growing up in the business, and even you know, I tried to get better all the time. I, I never felt like I was finished or I was developed. I just wanted to keep getting better and learn from folks like Jim Thomas and Baje Gregorian, um, the late Rick Hummel, the little bit that I got to spend around him, uh, Brian Burwell, I mean, Joe Strauss, all those all those great writers, great people. Um, they're all different and they all do the job very differently. But at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're great at what they did uh, in their own different with their own different approaches. And I just tried to take the best from all of them and, and learn as much as I could. All right, boys, let's talk some football here. Um, here we go. The biggest home game for Mizzou since well, their last home game. Uh, this is a conference game, and LSU is no joke. Uh, where is the plus for Missouri, considering they are considered the underdog? Look at the offense right now. I mean, you know, nobody's stopping Brady Cook and Luther Burden, and you add in Cody Schrader, Theo Weiss with a 100-yard game last week. Um, you know, it seemed like a lot of the concerns going into the season was what what is this offense going to look like under Kirby Moore, new coordinator? Uh, can Brady Cook, um, can he improve on last year with with his shoulder repaired? And, you know, I, I know it's 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 the sample size is getting bigger every week and it's still relatively small. It's only five games. But the last three games alone, uh, it's been, I think, exceeded any outsiders expectations. I mean, right now, Brady's numbers are up there with the absolute best in the country. Luther Burden leads the country in receiving yards. And that's, there's, you, Howard's watched every minute of every game. There, there's no nothing flukish about that. I mean, he is, it looks like the best player on the field in the last three games. Um, so that's what they're, they're, that's what's carrying them right now. I, I think the defense still can get a lot better than it has been. Um, there's, we're seeing some signs of it turning around and being, you know, the elite defense that people thought it would be. But man, they, they look more like a complete team and what we've seen in a while here. And that's that's dangerous. And LSU doesn't play a whole lot of defense, or they haven't yet this year. Um, so they, they've struggled in that area. Obviously, they have good players. Brian Kelly is a great recruiter and a great program. Uh, and that's a team that a lot of people, back when I was in the media like two months ago, <laughs> it was a team I thought that could compete for, for the playoffs. Um, you know, they're a little bit behind now with a couple losses. But it 
it sets up to be a great matchup. I mean, there's, um, I, I think it should be a really exciting game. You know, offensively, I've said over the last couple of weeks that as well as they've been doing, there's still a lot of room for improvement, certainly cleaning up the mental mistakes, the penalties. Um, you know, they weren't very good on third down the prior two weeks mm-hmm. before Vanderbilt. Um, so they showed signs at least of improving in that area. Uh, one of the things that I think that if, if Missouri can figure out a way to really incorporate using the tight ends in this offense, uh, to me, that'll just stress the defense even more. You got guys like, you know, Burden and uh, the kid number 17 who, who's caught two deep passes in Marquise Johnson. He's caught t- two deep balls in the last two games. You start flooding the, uh, the secondary with the likes of he and Burden. And all of a sudden, now you get tight ends that are just flooding the field underneath. You know, when do you think we'll see that? Because I think it's it's just ripe for the picking. Yeah, the way that it is evolving week at a time uh, is is really fascinating. And with that, you see everybody's confidence go up a little bit, no doubt. I mean, you know, um, Brady's skill sets are is really coming out. Uh, it's not just the accuracy, but the poise that he's shown. Uh, they protected him really well uh, last week. They did, and I think that's a big component that wasn't always there last season. And he's really developing some great chemistry with his receivers. I mean, th- those guys talk about him uh, like he's an unquestioned leader of this—not just this offense, but this program. And that's when you hear guys start talking like that. That's that that gives you the sign that there's something pretty special going on. I mean, they. He is their quarterback. He is their leader. They, they say that all the time. There is no doubt in their mind about his potential and his leadership and all of those things. And it's just a team that I've, I've covered some pretty good teams at Mizzou in, in the Pinkle years, both in the Big 12 and the SEC. And they, had, they, all, they were all different, but they had certain qualities about them. And a lot of it was just the way they talk and the way they carried themselves. And I'm starting to see some signs uh, on, on this team. That's not to say they're going to win a championship or, or we just have no idea because so much is still in front of us. But uh, just the kind of the way they carry themselves is really impressive. So you like the swagger. Yeah. And it's not it's not over the top like it, they, they back it up. And, and Brady has been through so much in his career that he's not a guy that, you know, I think today he was named like the uh, O'Brien Award coach quarterback of the week. That is not going to go to his head because he's he's seen the tough times too, and he, he yeah. is laser focused. This is the this is the the position he's dreamed of being in his his entire life, uh, and he's not going to let that opportunity go by. And those guys follow him, so uh, I've I just been impressed with the way they walk and talk. Well, I like the um, the little moniker that they're using the the hashtag STP something to prove. Um, it seems like even. Every, every week there's a new naysayer that comes out and yet they they go out obviously you know you've, you've had one conference game and you got a big one this week but um i i think it motivates them in some kind of way what do you think about that yeah for sure and i, I think it's you know that they, they want to prove themselves to not only the people that that may not believe in them but they also want to and i, I like this part about the message that Coach Drink has shared with his team. I think they follow too. They also want to prove right all the people that support them and that do believe in them. So I, I, I think taking that positive spin on that is good because, you know, playing angry, playing with that chip on your shoulder, like, I don't know, can you do that 12 games a year, four quarters a week? 
you know, sometimes that might get old, but if you play it, there's more of a positive spin to it. And, and especially when you're playing at home in front of, you know, a sold out crowd, 62,621 in the house, which will be, which will be the, the, uh, the crowd they have on Saturday. And I highly suspected some other games this year um, that can bring out something out of you too, as a competitor, when you know, you have that packed sold out stadium behind your back, you want to prove them right. It's not just always about, you know, the naysayers who you may never even play in front of or, or see in person. So I like, I like taking it both ways. All right. I've got a question for both you guys before we get off of Mizzou. Um, other than eliminating the obvious mistakes, the holding, the penalties and things like that, what does Mizzou have to do in order to beat LSU? You know, stay. Uh, it, it, everybody talks about the, the turnover battle, but I think the defense can afford to maybe create some more. Chris Abrams Drain has an interception in three straight games. Uh, you like to see somebody else get involved and, and do that too. Explosive plays are going to be huge, you know, l- limiting them on LSU side because they are an explosive offense and also creating them for yourself. Uh, and, and then, you know, I, I think in a game like this, two high powered teams that, you know, I think in, in a lot of ways are sort of evenly matched. You've, you've got to have not a luck play, but just something to really turn momentum. Uh, whether it's on special teams, a big return, you know, Jeremy Macklin's going to be in the house. He's, he's getting his on-field salute for his uh, NFF College Football Hall of Fame induction. Um, you know, maybe return a punt for a touchdown like, yeah. like J-Mac used to do, something like that that can really just, you know, jack up the crowd and the sideline and everything. Maybe we'll see what, some of that. I believe Chase Daniel will probably be there as well. Uh, there's a big event Friday night, uh, uh, an evening with Chase Daniel and Gary Pinkle for uh, wow. Pinkle's GP Made Foundation. So I'm going to try to slip into that if I can. If I can uh, Listen, find you, a you too, you too big to slip in it anywhere. They'll know when you walk through the door. So let's not even try that. And I have one more question also, Dave. Yep. Um, something that happened a couple of weeks ago, the, the Mizzou to the Lou game in St. Louis. Um, how do you think that weekend went? And why do you think it was so important to, to the university and to Mizzou athletics? Well, I think for years, you know, I think folks in both Columbia and St. Louis have wondered, like, what – what can we do to really enhance the relationship and enhance the presence of Mizzou in St. Louis? And uh, it seems like just kind of a recurring theme that's always a little volatile, either really hot or really cold. Um, and I think you want to find that that really positive spot. You know, it's such an important place to recruit, not just for football or basketball, baseball, every sport, but the university as a whole. You want to have really good presence there. You want to have really good relationships there. Um I think when the Rams left, you know, a big question a lot of people had was, can Mizzou, can they move in and take advantage of that void in the market? And I, I don't know if that's, if, if that's easy. I think that's easier uh, said than done because I, I think the NFL audience is a little different than the college football audience. I don't know if you just naturally jump from one to the other when your team leaves. So maybe that wasn't as easy to happen to take place as some might've thought, but it's just important to have a, have events, not just have events there, but just make sure that 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 connection on I-70 between the two places is is constantly, you know, open for business. And um, and that that Mizzou wants to be in St. Louis, and we do, there's no doubt, and that people in St. Louis want to come to Columbia and and host each other for events. Um, So I, I think what we saw in the crowd that night at the Dome was really, really positive. You know, uh, we sold a ton of tickets 
in between Harrison Mevis's record-breaking field goal going through the uprights and, and his kickoff a week later, his onside kick that was almost just as spectacular in a different yeah. way. Though, um, a lot of tickets were sold, and I think people, you know, really bought in and wanted to be part of that experience. And, and you know, was the Dome full? No, I don't think it ever was going to be when, when you're playing against a, a group of five team. But all things considered, I thought it was a great night. Uh, and, and it was a great statement for both Mizzou's presence in St. Louis, Mizzou's program, and, and for the city, too. Hey, Dave Matter, man, this has been a blast to have a chance to visit with you. Uh, again, congratulations on the position. Uh, I'm sure we'll be doing this again when basketball season goes around. Uh, well, we'll probably do it when bowl season comes around. There you go. There but you go. Uh, thank you so much for your time, man. It's been a blast. Okay, thanks, guys. I appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, Dave. He's Dave Matter. I'm Mike Claiborne. He's Howard Richards. We're going to take a break, come back. Howard's favorite team in the National Football League has their hands full this weekend. We're going to talk about that and much, much more after this. Munganass St. Louis Acura has a great selection of new and certified pre-owned Acuras. Get 3.9% financing for up to 36 months in all new Acura models. Or get $1,000 in loyalty incentives on the 2023 TLX and RDX and $750 in loyalty incentives on the 2024 Integra. Get financing as low as 1.99% for up to 36 months on certified pre-owned TLX and MDX models. Munganass St. Louis Acura, better than ever for you. Welcome back, everybody. We continue at Huddle Up with Howard. Howard Richards, Mike Claiborne here. As I went to the break, I mentioned the fact that uh, your team, the Dallas Cowboys, have their hands full this weekend against a very good San Francisco 49er team that has had the way to eliminate your Cowboys the last few times in the playoffs and it really has had their number. So, big boy, what are we going to look for this weekend? <laughs> We're going to look for a change of venue, Mike, because once again, this game is being played on the West Coast in the Bay Area. We never seem to get the 49ers in Dallas. I don't know how the schedule makers uh, tend to you know do it why? that way. But. You know why? Because you used to have them in, the, in Dallas in the 90s all the time. That's when they would get worn out down there. That's why. It just took 30 years for them to figure it out. Well, I can tell you, uh, during the 80s, we were 0-3 against the Niners. Uh, and each time, it's because we played out in old Candlestick Park. Ooh, what a dump uh, that was. Yeah, man. it was a dump. Yeah, it was horrible. Um, but here's the thing. For, for Dallas – it's got to be true to itself. Uh, they've got to figure out a way to get off to uh, a great start. It's defense has got to play lights out. It really has to put pressure on Brock Purdy. You know, th this kid is, you know, Mr. It goes from Mr. Irrelevant to being one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I mean, his numbers prove that uh, in only his what second year. Um, the kid is nothing short of amazing. And, and I'll make this point. And I think we made this point down the road before. How many years did Brock Purdy stay in college at Iowa State? He was there for the whole duration. Four years, four years. If if I am an executive looking to draft a quarterback that I feel will be the most ready for this league, I want to look at someone that's been consistent, but someone that's had that extra year and not decided to jump out after three years. Uh, because I think uh, the struggles are real, until you have that additional year in college football. And I think that is what has contributed to Brock Purdy's success. No, I agree. It doesn't hurt to have a really good offensive line, a True very that. solid running game, and some guys to throw to in a defense that doesn't uh, have to stay on the field very long. I mean, the defense gets the ball back to them pretty quick. So they, they he's got a lot of pluses working for him. I'm not going to call him a game manager, 
but he would be close to being that. And I think we're, we're waiting on to see if he can engineer those late, late inning drives to carry his team on to victory. Now, with all that being said, uh, there's a lot at stake for both teams as far as the who, who's the biggest guy on the block. Are we now at that point in the season where teams are going to start to separate themselves from the other teams in their division and in their conference? Because right now you have Dallas, you have the 49ers, you have Buffalo, you have Miami. There's about six, what you say, eight teams that are starting to really create separation in spite of the fact some would question their early season schedule. Yeah, and I think now with the extra game on the schedule, the 17th game, I think by week six – you will have a truer picture of which teams are for real and, and which are pretenders. Uh, it used to be uh, the first four weeks, you could tell that. But I think now with that extra week and with the way the game has evolved, I think after six weeks, um, the, the real teams that are going to be, to me, com- competing in the playoffs are going to show start to show their faces. Hey, for you um... – when you played against a team like San Francisco and, and you know, we're going, we're going to battle here. We're going, we're going to scuffle. What sort of officiating did you like? Did you want somebody to call it by the book or did you want somebody to call it where they would have a, they would let you play. And I know that term is used a lot, but sometimes let you play means you might be like the one guy that they let play and you, and, and the other guy lets you get, they let him play against you and maybe it's a penalty on any other play, but they don't call it on that particular play. And the reason why I bring that up is with this game between the 49ers and Cowboys, there's going to be a whole lot of pushing around. So I'm wondering is does is the NFL cognizant enough to know what sort of officiating crew needs to work this game? I think they look at the the overall team makeup. They look at a team's probably recent history. Is this a team that is going to be wrought with penalties throughout, you know, mm-hmm. or, they, or you have guys that are uh, susceptible to getting a lot of personal fouls and things of that nature. Uh, if not, I think the, 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 the reasoning here would be to allow these teams to play. If something gets out of hand, if they comport themselves on the field in a professional manner, uh, just let them play until something egregious comes out. I think, personally, that's the way I would like to see the game. Now, if something, you know, you got a guy gra- grabbing your face mask or whatever, doing something, then I'm bring it to the official's attention. But typically, in a lot of these big games, you don't see a lot of that. At least that's been my experience. I'm thinking if I'm a good line judge, if I see it getting out of hand, I'm going to say, boys, I'm only taking one the next time. I'm going to let them know that I'm going to let this is as far as it goes, yeah. as far as what you're going to be allowed to do. So everybody's on the same page. Anything beyond that, you're going to see this flag. So with that said, you being an offensive lineman, this is a question I've been wanting to ask you for some time. When they're in the formation offensively and the quarterback is at the line and everybody's in a set position, I see that offensive guard point. He's, you know, he's point like he's got this man in front of him. He's moving when you're already yeah. set. Why don't they call that penalty? That It's a great question because it's movement. And yes. in a lot of ways, you know, your defense is reactive. Exactly. Right? They're, they're going to move on any movement. But I think what they are, uh, unless a guy makes a deliberate move either forward or backward, in other words, trying to get an advantage, not necessarily getting an advantage because he doesn't know the, the snap count or he's anticipating it or he's so entrenched in his stance he just kind of rolls out of it, you know, that's when they call it. I think 
this whole hand pointing and I got this guy and it's like a signal also that, hey, you know, the, the, the field is set, the defense is set, you can go ahead and snap the ball. Is It's a new phenomenon. I, this is new, I don't know, within the last, I don't know, maybe five, six years. Yeah. I think it started in college. That's where I saw no, it. No, that's where I saw that too. Yeah. And, and so what we have to do here soon is get an NFL official on to, to explain that to me. Yep. Because I know when you play and I play and you played a whole lot longer than me, uh, if you did that, you some you getting flagged. You were getting flagged. <laughs> you know, when they yeah. told your ass to be set, that means you can't even you can't even breathe. You barely breathe. Without, right. Exactly. You know, so yeah. I, I'm wondering what that's all about. All right, before we get out of here, there are a couple of questions I have. Well, this one question because I think it's going to be an issue down the road. Because these bad teams are so bad because their organizations are, are terrible in drafting players. We're starting to see college players have the option now because of the NIL and saying, hey, you know what, maybe I'll stay in school. Maybe I don't want to play for the Bears. Maybe I don't want to play for the Cardinals. I can make more money NIL-wise. And there's a handful. There's, I'm not saying everybody can get away with this. But in that first round, we're going to see some guys say, yeah, I think I'm going to stay in school because the Cardinals are going to pick first or the Bears or whomever has just been dreadful over the years. Do you think we're going to see more of that? And and, and I think it also goes to your, your point, that college player gets that extra year in school where he can develop even more. He's already got money in his pocket. You think we'll see more of that? I think you probably will in, in some cases, maybe not in every case. <clears throat> I think it depends on the guy's personal situation. There will always be guys that get bad advice and make the jump early. Mm -hmm. um, but the same reasons that I mentioned with Brock Purdy, having that additional year in college to hone your skills, I think, is an advantage. It's like most of the guys that get redshirted, they're getting redshirted for a reason. It's because of they get that extra year of development to, you know, to play without stress to, you know, really build their bodies up, especially to learn, you know, the offense or defense um, so that when they are ready to line up, they have a much better feel for, you know, what your offensive or defensive strategies are. Um, plus with the COVID year, a lot of guys got six years and some of them even got seven years out of it yeah. if they had a hardship injury. Um, but I think down the road, it ultimately helps them that additional development, that additional year or whatever it is, two years, I think is more beneficial to a player than it is detrimental. Well, my brother, I am uh, excited for you this weekend. You've got a big game on Saturday. You have a big game on Sunday night. Uh, I'm sure you eat and drink well over the weekend. <laughs> and, and may you have a couple of victories to talk about on Monday. It would be a lot of fun, would it not? <laughs> All right. He's Howard Richards. I'm Mike Claiborne. This has been another edition of Huddle Up with Howard on ClavesOnline.com. Can Graybar help my electrical and datacom jobs be more productive? Yep. Our supply chain services are designed for just that. Like job site services? Yep. We'll deliver the products you need where and when you need them, no matter your industry. What about technical help? Yep. Our specialists are top notch. Emergency support? Yep. Even after hours. <laughs> They're a unicorn. When you need to keep your projects productive and profitable, rely on Graybar to help you get the job done right. No unicorns required.